following is a live sermon from the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ. We are a non-denominational congregation that meets in Fairfield, Connecticut. We serve Fairfield all the way through New Haven. For more information about our ministry, check us out online at sctcoc.org. Good evening, sisters. So I'm so happy to be here to talk to you guys tonight. Um, As you can probably tell, I'm not Florence. Um, She has given me the awesome privilege of preaching tonight to you guys on Ephesians 4. So I'm so excited. So my name is Lamisha Genova, and I am a youth and family minister here in the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ. If you're visiting with us, we're so happy that you decided to join us. So I would just like to pray and then we can jump right into our lesson. So, um, God, thank you so much for this time to just be together and just keep on looking at your, the book of Ephesians, God. Um, it's just so jam packed with so, such amazing, I don't know, instructions and how to live, um, this Christian walk, God, that we can apply to our own lives and that we can really take heart to take to heart god and i just pray that you just help us to do exactly that to take these things to heart help us to really internalize um what we're learning god and that we can just turn around and and grow and um be better um disciples and christians for you god ultimately so we love you so much be with the lesson tonight although it is different and it is virtual But amen, God, I'm just so happy for technology that we can still get together and your word can still be preached, God. So thank you so much for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So let's just jump right in. So to kind of recap on chapter three that Florence talked about, I love that she talked about the depth of knowing Christ, you know, just really taking it deeper, being rooted in our word so we can spread the gospel about how about God, about his love for us. And so I really enjoyed Ephesians 3 a lot. Um, and so I got the task again of going through Ephesians 4. And Ephesians 4 is all about unity and maturity and how to live like a Christian, right? And so so turn with me to Ephesians 4. And we're going to start in, obviously, in verse 1. So I'm going to start. I'm going to read that. So it says, As a prisoner for the Lord... Then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all, who is over all and through all. So that's verses one to six. So this letter begins by telling us again that, you know, it's just so funny. In Ephesians 3, Paul addresses the Gentiles and says, I'm, as a prisoner, I'm a prisoner, I'm in chains, chains, right? And in chapter 4, he starts the same way. And I thought that was interesting, right? But I feel like he's giving them a picture of where he is. You know, he's in isolation. We can relate right now, right? Being in isolation. And he's away from his people. He's away from his disciples. And he's saying, look, I'm out of his loneliness, loneliness, possibly. He's urging the church to remain unified, to remain together, right? He says that we should be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the, through the bond of peace. And that's because, you know, lack of peace disunifies us. 
but peace actually bonds us together, which is really awesome. It holds us together. So turn with me to Psalms chapter 34, verse 14. I'll wait until you get there, I guess. <laughs> so it says, turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. You know, seeking peace isn't a passive thing. It's extremely active. You have to seek it out, right? It just doesn't come to you. And are, but I wanted to ask you, it's so funny. Like, are we, do we think about this? Are we really eager to seek peace and pursue it? You know, do we even think about seeking peace? Sometimes I don't think we think about it, you know, but Paul was, you know, he, he wanted to maintain the unity of the spirit. That was his goal. So the message can be preached. So, and although we're not in chains, right? We can eagerly pursue unity with one another because we're not in chains, chains. We're here, we're out in the world, amen? And then he goes on and he says, one. He says, we are one because there's one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one everything, you know? He keeps on going to emphasize that we're one, right? We're not two, we're not three. We're together when we're in Christ. And he reminds us, okay, that we're already one and we're not divided so that the whole can be successful. And I looked up, I found this quote, which is really, really cool. And it says, coming together is the beginning. Keeping together is progress and working together is success. And I absolutely love that quote because it talks about the work it takes to remain unified, right? So just coming together for us is the start, right? So I think about baptism, right? That's just the beginning of the journey, right? So coming into Christ is the beginning. And then actually staying together is progress because you have to fight to be unified, right? Which means you're progressing, right? And it says, but to reach success, we have to work together. And for that, that's us working together to what? Spread the gospel, to keep it going forward. That's the work we do as Christians to help other people love God to be reconciled to Christ, right? So that's our goal. And Paul's just telling them to remember that we're together. Remember that we're one. Don't forget that. But do we truly understand the importance of this the way Paul did? You know, and then he goes on. Let's go to verses 7 to 16. And of course, this is, we're still in chapter 4. It says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in, in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Amen. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in the, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work wow 
So Paul starts off by talking about the gifts of grace, right? That build up his church. And, you know, these gifts are intentional. These are intentional gifts. And they were made to equip people for works of service and to build the body up, right? They're meant to complement each other. And that's how we'll then reach maturity. So I think of like in marriage, for instance, Pat and I have completely different strengths. We have completely different weaknesses. But together, right, we complement each other. Together, we can do more. Together, we can spread the gospel further and just show light, bring light to this world. And, you know, just like a physical body, right, over time, the body matures, right? You don't just, you don't, you're not just born mature. You have to grow in maturity, right? But he's just saying, like, keep, keep going until you've reached maturity. So in the same way, Jesus's body, right, are the church, which is, you know, which is his body. It grows and matures over time until we have reached the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And the Amplified version, which is really cool, which talks about, so the part about the whole measure of the fullness of Christ and the Amplified version says, manifesting his spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts. So the Amplified version says, manifesting his spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts. That's the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Once we've obtained this, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth, right? So of course, when I think of infant, I think of Jacob, right? I have a one-year-old son, his name is Jacob. And, um, you know, Jacob's vulnerable, he's a baby, you know? And, and so for me, I'm the adult, I'm the mature one. I have more knowledge than he does. And so I teach him, I train him in the way kind of he should go, right? And I do that and that's my duty. And I do that because he's gonna go out there and he's gonna have to live his life. And he's gonna maybe toss back and forth by different teachings, different crafty things, you know? Um, people try to convince you to do anything, you know? And I have to just prayerfully, he makes the right choice and he makes the right decision, right? And prayerfully, he's not being tossed back and forth by every teaching because he has this kind of solid truth and this trust um, in what I've taught him. And so he won't be tossed back and forth, right? Perfectly. That's my duty to build, to give, to build him a strong foundation in Christ, right? And it's the same for us. If we're unified in the knowledge of God, we're all on the same piece of paper and maturing in our faith. Um, so we're not, so we won't become vulnerable and, you know, to vulnerable to false and crafty teachings. Um, but we'll speak up for each other. We'll speak up for the truth and we'll speak the truth in love. You know, he's encouraging the Ephesians to speak, to actually speak, but also to show it through their lives, which should reflect the truth that they believe, right? That they should speak the truth in love to other people, not only within the body, but people outside. And so our lives need to speak but we also need to talk about God as well to make him known all while supporting each other as we do it. Amen. So we've talked about the importance of being unified and maturing. And now Paul is going to talk to the Gentiles about the way Christians should actually live. So how these Gentiles should actually live, um, which also, again, of course, applies to us. Um, he's talking about the Christian walk. And so I just want to kind of paint a picture for you before we get into that. So just kind of the context of Ephesians. Again, for those of you who are just joining us, um, 
you know, these were Gentiles. So these weren't Jews. These people, they were, they didn't know about Christ. And so this was a whole new way of thinking for them. Those who chose to live like Christ, it was just a whole new way of life, right? So this was like a dramatic change for them. You know, they lived one way for so long and now they're being called to live a whole opposite way. Like, wow, it must have blew their minds. And so it goes into how they should be living among those who really don't, who don't believe. And as you notice, as you'll notice here, Paul gives them such specific instructions on how to live righteously. So these following, the following verses are a little bit more instructional, but they're very purposeful. So in from, so turn with me, well, not turn with me. So go with me to verse, verses 17 to 24. It says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ this way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desire, desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in the true righteousness, in true righteousness and holiness. Amen. Wow. So he starts off by reminding them of the way he used to live. And we talked a little bit about remembrance in previous previous times together, right? But note his language just from the first verse. He's literally addressing the Gentiles as if they're not even Gentiles anymore. Because he says in verse one, he says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility, futility of their thinking. So he's telling them that you must no longer live as your own people do anymore. And it's not a proud thing. It's not to be proud. It's not that they're better than them. But he's saying, he's telling them like, your identity is now in Christ. You're separate from them. You're a holy chosen people now. Isn't that, that's encouraging, right? That Paul would remind them that, hey, you know, you're set apart. You're different now. You're in Christ. You live your life as a Christian. And it's exactly what we are too as well, right? You know, we once lived one way and now we're living a totally different lifestyle. But he says, remember, you are no longer living as they do in their futile thinking. You're no longer darkened by sin. You know, he's saying their consciences are seared. They give themselves over to indulge in every insensual behavior. They're greedy. You know, he's like, don't forget that you were, you were already taught to put all this off, to put off your old self and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Wow. And he's calling them, he's calling us to not forget where we've come from, guys. You know, our human nature is just so, we're so forgetful. I'm very forgetful. I'm so forgetful. Yeah, anyway. But I'll tell you, even especially lately, there's so many things in my mind. I've just, it's hard to keep track of everything. I don't know if you can relate. So, you know, and Paul, as you've seen in earlier letters, is always calling them to remember, always calling us to remember where we've come from. You know, there's something so powerful about remembrance. And even Jesus during the Last Supper, right? He instructed his disciples 
to take the bread and wine in remembrance of him. Turn back with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 11 to 14. I'll wait a little bit as you get there. So it says, be careful that you do not forget the Lord, failing to observe his commands, his laws and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you'll forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Wow. So Paul understood the danger of forgetting where we've come from. And this passage is actually is Moses and he's warning the Israelites as they're about to enter the promised land to not forget about the Lord, their God, after they've gotten there. You know, he knew the dangers of how, you know, once you've been saved and once you've been rescued, you know, if you're not careful, we forget the person who rescued us. And thus we become proud. Like it was us, you know, it was our own effort. We did it, you know, and then our hearts become calloused and seared again, again, you know, and this is what Paul was warning them against. He was warning them or warning us against their hearts getting hardened again to not become corrupted by deceitful desires. You know, deceitful desires are those desires that appear to be better than what God can offer you, you know, like maybe a certain relationship, just our money, our worldly success, you know, maybe those are the things that are pulling at you. And those are deceitful desires. God can fulfill all your desires. Amen. And, you know, I remember before I became a Christian, I was so, how can I put this, disloyal in any relationship that I had. Um, but I can relate to the conscience being seared because, you know, I didn't start out that way. I didn't want to be that way. Um, you know, and over time, my heart had just, again, just gotten hard, you know, after I just had so much pain and so much hurt in my life that, you know, I had to kind of like sear my conscience. I had to protect myself and a coping mechanism was just to, to, I don't know, just not be loyal to anybody I was dating. And so because I lost and I lost all sensitivity, you know, I was greedy. All I cared about was myself protecting myself. I didn't care what anyone else thought, you know? And I thought I was big and bad anyway. But, you know, my thinking was so my thinking was so futile, right? Like I said, I thought I was big and bad. I was not. And I actually became someone that you just don't want to take home to your mom. And I, I'm embarrassed to even say that. Like, I almost didn't say this, you know, because it's like, wow. You know, I cannot believe that that's who I was. Oh, my gosh. I cannot believe that's how I was, but it's good for me even to say that and to remember that and to say and to say it so I can hear it and remember that, wow, I'm a totally different person. I'm a totally new creation, but we have to kind of recall that, you know? And so once I became a Christian, it was kind of, it was night and day, you know, I, but cause I had been renewing my mind and the power of God's word was just working in me. And I knew who I was now. And I knew that I was a woman created to be like God. Like the scripture says, I was a woman created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. What an undeserved honor that is to, to be considered that. Amen. 
but that remembrance helps me to not go back there and to repeat those things again like and to repeat those mistakes i don't want to continue to sear my heart right all over again you know if for me it means casting off those impure thoughts out of my mind and not entertaining those things you know we know we're entertaining thoughts i know when i'm entertaining impure thoughts right and we think it's it's hidden so we kind of like we think it's okay because no one sees it but no no it's it, you're searing your conscience you're, you're hardening that hardens your heart but what helps that is actually confessing you know confessing even the thought to your sisters to your brothers and sisters you know and that helps you and to not hide those things and confess but then also replacing them with holy and spiritual thoughts so having a sister someone in your life who can redirect you to, to soften your heart again. Amen. So let's read in, let's go to verses 25 to 32. And this is, we're coming in for a landing here. So it says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must no longer, must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of the redemption, but get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as Christ God forgave you. Amen. So this isn't just a list of random sins are, you know, like I said, this was kind of instructional and to the point, but it's more than that. You know, these to me are sins that, you know, if seen by those outside non-believers and those hearers that are around us, it will turn them off from wanting a relationship with God. But not only that, it will destroy us from inside, from within. We will be weaker, you know, by tearing each other down, you know. So let's let's look at them, right? So he talks about falsehood, anger, stealing, and wholesome talk, bitterness, rage, anger. It says anger twice in that passage, brawling, slander, and malice. These are things that are against each other and that will pin each other pin ourselves against each other instead we should be bearing and sharing with those in need building each other up being kind compassionate forgiving one another just as christ forgave us this is how believers should be living are we living this way currently really think about this are we living this way you know since quarantine for the most part you know we've been cooped up with our families it's been hard you know i know for me it's caused a lot of friction between pat and i and even with other brothers and sisters in the fellowship, you know, it's exposed the fact that I needed to grow in my compassion, my patience, my forgiveness, among other and other things. But not only that, but I learned how I learned the importance um, of putting on righteousness, you know, by giving by giving to others, by building sisters up, you know, asking others how they're doing during this during this time. What do you need? How can I help you? Can, can we pray together, you know, putting on righteousness? And sometimes not asking those questions can hurt people. You know, it can feel like you don't care about them. So it's, again, it's, it was me not focusing on 
you know, the things that I'm not doing and those sins, but putting on righteousness. He tells, he instructs them to, to, to put something on. So take something away, but put something on, right? And so, and that's what we need to strive to do, right? To really encourage one another and build each other up, build the body up. So I want to ask you, who in your life can you encourage? You know, that you maybe haven't encouraged in a while or spoken to in a while. You know, send them a text, call them to say, hey, I've just been thinking about you. You know, this is just as, this is so important, especially right now that we're here for each other as brothers and sisters, that we're not tearing each other down, but we're building each other up. You know, forgiving quickly. Oh my gosh. You know, it's also, that's one of them that's, you know, I've been challenged on is like not giving the devil the foothold for too long. You know, it's hard for everyone right now and it's not worth it to be at odds within our own family of churches, you know, within our own body, you know, because we need each other now more than ever, sisters. So move on, forgive, let things go. <laughs> you know, it's already hard enough. Don't make it harder for yourself by holding on to things. And Paul ends here, right, with the letter. And he's talking about, he ends with forgiveness. You know, he says to forgive as Christ forgave us. And forgiveness is so important because it allows for a relationship to continue. You know, when you forgive, you reconcile, you reconcile with someone. Thus, you become one again. You rejoin with someone. Amen. That's why forgiveness is so important. You know, and it's funny. Talking about forgiveness this is exactly something, this is exactly what Paul is talking about in the beginning of the letter, about being one, being reconciled back to one another. So he's talking about this again. And, and so it's important, like sisters, we are one. We are one. We're, in, we're a one body. You know, we are stronger together and we can change the world by reconciling other people to God. You know, and this was not only Paul's desire, right, to reconcile people to, to Christ, you know, but this was God's plan from the very beginning of time to reconcile his people to him again, to have a relationship back with us, to restore our relationship with him. So let's not forget why we're here, right? We're here for reconciliation. So let's learn from Ephesians 4 on how to be mature, how to be unified, and how to live as a Christian. Amen. We're praying a second. We're going to go in our discussion groups right after this. Um, the questions will be pinned in the comments. So you can either write those down or your community group leaders already have the discussion questions already. So you can just go to your community groups. And um, so let's pray and then we can just um, discuss these things. God, thank you so much for this time again to, to learn about reconciliation, to, to remember where we've come from so we, can, so we can push forward in where we're going, God. Help us to forgive. Help us to be unified. Help us to, to love one another deeply from the heart. Help us to live as Paul did, God. Paul was just so convinced and so devoted to you and devoted to his his body to your body god he was devoted to the church to your people god help us to be that way help us as sisters to help one another to be there for one another to think about one another god to not be against each other because that is not the life you desire for us god 
And so I'm so, I'm so grateful for your word that it teaches us all these things and how to live with one another, God. And I love you so much. I pray that we can just really have great discussions in our groups tonight and that we can come away different. Um, we love you, God, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.